Mosaic believes that the church is designed to be a genuine community of people, creating a safe space of belonging for all, seeking to serve our neighbors with the compassion of God, providing opportunities to learn to be more like Jesus, and living life well together. This can't happen in a one-hour time slot on Sunday mornings, yet we desire to be a worshiping, missional community in Clayton, North Carolina. Visit MosaicClayton.com or find us on Facebook, Mosaic Church of Clayton. Every time I get up here, it does not get easier. Um, Just want to say that. I also have a cold, so there's that. If I cough, I'll try to, like, do this or something. Um, But anyways, um, I've had this cold for, like, three weeks, so I should probably go to a doctor as opposed to um, Rite Aid to get Mucinex. there, there's been a lot happening kind of in our world this week, and um, as I was reflecting on that and, and praying on that, I, I felt like um, I, I wanted to let you guys know, um, first off, that I, I'm incredibly thankful to be able to be this woman who gets to stand up and preach. Um, And also, even more than that, I'm thankful for a community that is supportive and um, loving, no matter how much I get up here and fumble around and do whatever I do. Um, And so I I felt like those words needed to be spoken this morning. So I am thankful for you, um, and I'm thankful for our time together on Sunday mornings. Um, If you would pray with me. God, this morning, I pray that you will hold back the cough a little. God, I pray that um, you will speak through these words that, that you have helped me prepare. God, I pray that you will shine above all else. Amen. So anytime I've ever preached here, Andy has always told me what I was preaching on. We, we're always in the middle of a sermon series or whatever. And so I've never had the pressure of having to kind of decide what I was going to preach on. Um, so this is, this is a little new for me as well today. I just kind of decided what I was going to preach on. And it happened about a month ago. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. I had this opportunity to do something pretty crazy, and um, it was one of those moments where I knew that God had ordained that moment. Um, but when I finished the task that He had put in front of me, I just kind of sat there amazed. Um, I was with my friend Parker, and we were sitting in my apartment, kind of after after the moment had happened, just trying to debrief what God had done. And it was one of those moments where neither of us could kind of contain our joy. Both of us liked to talk a lot. And so we were just sitting there without words. Like, it was that level of, like, joy and all of who God was um, and what he, had, what he had showed us that day. And um, really what God had showed us was that intentionality creates crazy things. Um, if, if you follow Jesus into this lifestyle of intentionality, he's going to do something. Um, 
And then you get to sit back and, and be a part of what God is doing. Um, and he leads you into somewhere crazy. And so I'm going to tell you that story a little bit later. Um, but I just wanted to build the suspense up with you wondering what it was. No, I'm just kidding. Um, actually, I wanted to start in scripture. I'm like super loud. Um, I, <coughs> excuse me, I wanted to start in, in scripture. And so today what we're going to do is we are going to start um, by reading one of my favorite passages. Um, now I want to say this first and foremost, especially since I have several people in here who have been to divinity school. Um, I am in no way going to do this passage justice, first off. Um, <clears throat> I understand I'm going to preach from John 4, and I understand that you do not preach from John because there are long dialogues in John. I get it. Don't anybody tell Dr. Cogdell. Um, so in no way am I going to do this passage justice. We would have to be here all afternoon. So I am going to talk about this passage in the way that I feel that God has led me to talk about this passage. So I want you to... Be inspired to go home, to read all of this passage, to dive into all of this passage because there is so much here um, that I am not going to hit on today that is still important and is still worthy of us looking at. So I wanted to start by letting everybody know that. Um, but today we are going to jump into the passage of the Samaritan woman. Um, because I, I love this passage, and I think it is one of those passages where we really see a lot about who Jesus is and what he thought about ministry, and we see that intentionality. Um, and the crazy thing is, we don't even know this woman's name, and yet this is like the longest dialogue we have between Jesus and a person. I mean, isn't that crazy? We don't even know her name. Um, and so I just think this passage is really cool. Um, John's gospel kind of portrays her as being very privileged to be able to sit down with Jesus and hear him. I mean, he straight up tells her, I am the Messiah. Um, I'm the great I am. And she, she gets to be there just with Jesus. I can't imagine just having that, that moment, just me and Jesus. I think that sounds really cool. Um, so let's start out by reading the passage together. Um, from John 4. I did not put it up on the screen because it is just a lot. So if you want to close your eyes and listen, um, I'm going to try to tell it like a story as best as I can, or you can open your Bibles or your Bible apps and follow along with me in John 4. So Jesus, um, he's, he's left Judea. He is going back up to Galilee, and he had to go through Samaria. And he came to a town in Samaria, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. And then a Samaritan woman came up to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. 
Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't be thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. They continue their conversation and and they talk about her husband, which is a lot of times what we like to focus on in this passage. And then they talk about um, worship. Um, And then she said, the woman says to him, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus looked at her and he says, I, the one speaking to you, I am he, I am the Messiah. The disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking to a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Why are you talking with her? Then she left her jar of water and she went back into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards Jesus. Many of the Samaritans in that village committed themselves to him because of the woman's witness. Now again, um, in no way am I going to do this passage justice. Um, I skipped over a large part of her conversation with Jesus, and I hope that that will make sense in a little while. Um, But there are a couple of things that I want us to focus on. Um, And and I'm going to go through those things now. The first is Jesus' intentionality. Okay, there, there is a lot of intentionality here, and I want to point out some of those. The first one is, will you go to the map slide? The first one is, okay, so the area that we're talking about, I love maps, y'all. It just helps me when I'm reading the Bible. So if it helps you, I tried my best to find us some maps to help. So this is where this is happening, where this star is. So you can kind of see where it is in the world. We've got Egypt up there, Italy, Greece. It just, just helps us realize where we are. And this map zooms in a little bit and helps us see what exactly was going on. So Jesus is, is down here in the bottom in Judea, and he's going up to Galilee, which is at the very top. Um, and it says that he had to go through Samaria. Um, so it, it says that in verse 4. And this is one of the things I like to point out because I think that this is really interesting. So Jews, and Jesus was a Jew, Jews did not normally go through Samaria. This was, like, not a place that they were trying to visit um, for many reasons. First off, um, their, their kind of fight goes back a long time. So this, the Assyrians invaded and captured the northern kingdom of Samaria. So what happened is these Assyrians brought in these other cultures, okay? And so the Samaritans just kind of begin to flow with these other cultures. They, they married people in these other cultures. Um, some of their religious customs kind of got just mixed in. Um, and so the Jews were judging them. The Jews were like, how dare they intermarry? Why, why would they do that? How, how dare they worship differently than us? What, what, what are they even thinking? And so it sparks just this, this judgment from the Jews and this, we don't, we don't want to be anywhere near any Samaritans. So this red line that you see is a line that Jews would have gone on if they were going from Judea to Galilee. Okay, but Jesus takes this green line here um, because he ain't got time to be going around Samaria and maybe for more of a purpose because... 
the thing is that John says, or whoever wrote John, says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And clearly Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria. Jews didn't normally go through Samaria. So when I read that and I think about Jesus having to go through Samaria, I think that there must have been a greater purpose. There is some reason he had to go through Samaria. So in my mind, I'm thinking about Jesus' relationship with God. I'm thinking about Jesus' intentionality. And I'm thinking that maybe the reason he had to go through Samaria is because there was a greater purpose to it. And what do we know happens when he goes through Samaria? He meets the woman at the well, right? Yeah, okay, so I'm, I'm seeing that there's a greater purpose here, even if you are not, you know, responding with that greater purpose. Um, so Jesus was intentional through the route that he took as he was traveling. The second thing that Jesus was intentional with was his timing, okay? So it, it says that Jesus is at this well around noon, okay? If you have to go to the well, I know we all have water in our houses, praise God. Um, but if you have to go to a well to, to fill up water, to bring it back for your home, when are you going to go? Are you going to go in the middle of the day when the sun's at its peak and it's hottest? Probably not. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. Just, I'm probably going at night, um, maybe in the morning. So this, this woman is at, a well, at the well at kind of an odd time. She's there in the middle of the day. Um, and there are, there are probably a lot of reasons for that. Um, but Jesus meets her there in the middle of the day. He decides to, to plop down his tired body at, at the well in the middle of the day. Um, and so to me, that, that screams intentionality. That screams that God has led him here to Samaria, first off, and second off, to the well in the middle of the day. Um, I might be trying to find some shade to sit in or something like that. I'm probably not going to be sitting at a well. Um, so I like to think that Jesus had a reason for that as well. And the third thing we see Jesus being intentional in are his words. The way that he speaks to this woman. Um, he starts talking to her about physical thirst. And now this is something that she's going to be able to understand, right? Jesus usually talked in terms that people could understand. He didn't talk in these, in these far off things. He didn't use fancy language. He's, he's talking to her about water. She's going to understand being thirsty because she's human, and humans understand what it means to be thirsty. So he's very intentional in the way that he talks to her about who he is. He talks to her in terms that he thinks that she will understand, or he knows that she will understand. When I see Jesus being intentional, it makes me really excited. Um, because in a lot of ways, I feel like intentionality is kind of a lost art. I feel like it's something that we don't focus enough on, and it's probably one of my favorite words to use. Um, and I feel like this story right here screams of Jesus' intentionality. He takes a route to go through a city that Jews, Jews are not even going to go through. He, he meets a woman at the well in the middle of the day when it's... Lord knows how hot outside. And then he, he speaks to her in these terms that he knows that she is able to understand and respond to. When we are intentional with others, we guide them to God. We guide them to Jesus. And I'm pretty sure that 
Jesus being this intentional stems from the fact that he has a relationship with God. I'm pretty sure he didn't just go through Samaria for whatever reason. Let's just roll through Samaria. Um, And if he did, I'm pretty sure he wasn't rolling through blinded. I'm pretty sure he was asking God to guide that journey um, where it led him. Because Jesus had this intentional relationship with God, he was able to be intentional with this woman. And so two things happen because of Jesus' intentionality. The first one is that this Samaritan woman, first off, I think was given a little dignity. Um, But she was also introduced to who Jesus was. And she believed him. And then the second thing that happens is that she goes back and she tells the people in the village, like, you you need to come meet this guy. Like, he's legit because he's just told me all these things. Like, come meet this guy. And it says in the last verse I read um, that a lot of the village was saved and believed because of what she had done. So Jesus' intentionality not only saved this woman, but it allowed her to go into her village and to promote who he was. Promote's probably not the right word to use there, but it's okay. Um, So as I'm thinking about this passage, and this is the passage that Parker and I sat on my couch and talked about that night um, as we were debriefing what had happened that day. Um, And so that's why I'm sharing it this morning in a way that maybe it's never been shared before. Um... But I believe that ministry doesn't happen without intentionality. And I believe that everybody in here is called to be a minister. And so I believe that we are all called to intentionality. And I think that we get that. We are introduced to that through our relationship with Jesus. So I, I want to finish my story. Um, and this is a story to brag on God. And to brag on how intentional he is um, in my life and the ways that he has opened my eyes to be able to see him being intentional around me. Two years ago, almost to the day, um, God began to stir in me a desire for student-athletes. I lived on Campbell's campus as a resident chaplain in a freshman dorm for the last two years. And all of the female freshman athletes lived in my residence hall. Um, And I began having conversations with them. Um, And God kind of started speaking to me and saying, they need a little intentionality. We're not being intentional enough with them. And so I had no idea what that looked like. I just knew that God was being intentional with me over and over and over again. I would go sit down in the dining hall and I would be having a conversation with a soccer player. I would go to Starbucks and I'd be having a conversation with a swimmer. Um, In my small group every Tuesday night, God had put a student athlete And as I listened to their stories, I began to realize that a lot of them felt really alone on their teams. They felt like the majority of their teammates didn't know God, um, that it was not a priority on their teams, and so they were struggling. And so God began to build this dream, and this dream turned into, you can change it if you want to, to the next one. This dream turned into this. And this was the day that I will never forget. Um, we, we built up this ministry, and this year, 
We had the opportunity to wash the feet of the entire football team at Campbell. Um, this picture literally gives me chills every time I see it, but um, we sat down with a football coach and had a conversation with him and we said, this is who we are, this is what our ministry does, we seek to be intentional with athletes. So sometimes that means that when an athlete gets hurt and has surgery, that we bake them stuff and drop them off at their house with a handwritten letter. Sometimes it means that when a team is struggling or they do not have a lot of fans at their games, that we are at their games cheering for them, holding up signs, being as loud and supportive as we can. Sometimes it looks like praying with a student who is struggling in the classroom and struggling to figure out what their calling is outside of their sport. God has given us intentional thing after intentional thing. We haven't really had to seek or ask or beg. He's just kind of said, here it is. If you're willing to follow me, then I'm, I'm going to send you somewhere. So as we sat down with the football coach, we explained all of this to him, and um, I was trying not to fangirl because it's Mike Mentor, um, and he was super excited about it, and so I said, okay, we are having a foot washing for athletes um, on Sunday night, and we'd love for you to come, we'd love for you to invite your team. And he said, we're not going to be finished with practice on Sunday night, how about you come on Tuesday? And I looked at him and I was like, you want us to come wash the whole football team's feet? And he was like, yeah, like just come after practice. You can get up there. You can talk to him. It's going to be fine. Um, and so I, I sat there and I was like, okay, we've never done this before. We've never washed an entire team's feet. Um, we do a foot washing at the beginning of the year to, and we invite the athletes that we know. Um, and so maybe we'll have 10 come and we'll wash their feet. But an entire team was a whole different thing. And it felt pretty crazy and pretty radical. Um, so we prayed about it and we prepared for it. And on Sunday night, we, we, washed, we did the foot washing as we had planned. Um, and we actually had three football players come. They had finished their after-practice routine, whatever that entails. I don't know. Showering, getting on tape, sitting in an ice bath. Um, but they had finished that early, and so they came on over to the foot washing we were doing. And we told them, you know, we're coming to practice on Tuesday. Um, and so when we got there on Tuesday, I, I was nervous because me in front of 120 football players and coaches and everybody else telling them the story about Jesus felt insane, y'all. I, I was scared that first off they weren't going to get it, that this was going to be crazy. But God kept telling me, like, Caitlin, you, you have prepared the whole last year for this. You've gotten to know some of these guys. You've baked cookies for some of these guys. Like, it's going to be fine. Um, so I get out there, we, we tell them the story, and we had several students who were helping us to wash feet. We had several players come over to the side. But this here, this here is a story about God being intentional. Because the student that is on the, on the floor praying for the other student, he came on Sunday night um, to our foot washing. He had finished practice early. And he told us that he had felt empowered by what happened on Sunday night. He had never had his feet washed before. And he said he wanted to pray over his teammates. And so he did. He washed feet and he prayed right alongside of us. Another picture I don't have is from another athlete who came on Sunday night and was also there helping us on the Tuesday after practice. But he said on Sunday night, we actually asked him to wash one of our other campus minister's feet. And he came up to us afterwards and he said, I have never been so nervous in my life. 
to wash a campus minister's feet when I'm nothing but a student, which, powerful. He, he said that that had so encouraged him um, that he went to practice on Monday and he said, I'm praying for everybody after practice. And he had never prayed out loud before. These two stories happened because of intentionality. Because they felt seen, they felt spoken into, um, and maybe because we did something a little radical. But I will never forget this picture. I actually have it printed off hanging in my house. Um, because it is a reminder of how intentional God is. When we... When we overflow the way that God speaks to us, the way that he is to us, when we overflow that, when we share those stories of who God is, this is what happens. Other people are affected, and that trickles down to other people. When I think about this ministry, my mind gets pretty blown at the things that God has done on our campus. Um... And I can't help but think about the woman at the well. About Jesus going some other route to seek her out. About him being at this well at a random time. About the words that he said to her. And my goal is that my life looks intentional like that. Now, thank goodness I don't have to walk um, all the way to Galilee. Um, because I wouldn't make it the 120-some miles. Um, but every day I walk around campus. Um, I walk around the grocery store. I walk around wherever I am. And I'm reminded of what Jesus did with the Samaritan woman, of who he is, of the ways he's been intentional in my life. And I want to be intentional with other people because I want them to feel that. And I want the power of this picture and who God is in this picture to radiate. Ephesians 5 says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. When we spend time with God... When we ask him to show us the ways that he is intentional with us, we are able to share that with others. The overflow of that pours into other people. And that's who we are. That's who we strive to be. We want others to know who Jesus is. And we want them to know it in an authentic way. So this morning... As a response, we are going to have communion, but we are going to do it a little bit differently than we normally do it. We are going to have communion by community, is what we're going to call it. Um, because I think intentionality this morning is going to start in here. Um, I want us to be empowered and encouraged so that when we walk out of the doors, um, we, are, we are ready to be intentional with others and to spread Jesus to others. So what will happen this morning is that you will, Michael and I will start off communion, um, and then you will come up, and you will serve the person after you communion. Um, in case you need a cheat sheet of what to say, we have written down what to say for you. Um, but you will simply hold it up for them, and you will say, the body of Christ broken for you, the, bread of, the blood of Christ shed for you. 
It doesn't have to be perfect. You can say something different if you want to. I just wanted you to have a cheat sheet. If you are, are nervous about doing that, it's okay. Um, Michael and I, I will stand right here. Michael will stand right here. We will be glad to serve you if you are nervous about serving um, each other. But again, this is a time just for us to, to serve each other. If you just want to hold it and not even say anything and you want me to stand here and say it, I'll say it for you. How about that? Will that make it a little easier? Um, but we want to do this as an extension of the way that God has served us. We want to now serve each other. So, I want to invite you to come up and partake in communion.